Welcome to the Good Research Podcast, where we talk about those topics that most interest you, helping you make your research study the best it can be. And now, here is your host, Dr. Lauren Seifert. episode one of Good Research. I am Dr. Lauren Seifert, and the Good Research podcasts are for research students, as well as researchers who would like to brush up on research techniques and methods. I am trained in cognitive experimental psychology, with expertise in numerous areas, including varied methodologies and subject areas such as health and aging, neuroscience, psycholinguistics, and empirical aesthetics. I spend much of my time training undergraduate and graduate students in research methods. Good research begins with sound research practices, and one of the most fundamental of research practices is to start by stating one's assumptions. When a researcher sets forth her or his basic assumptions about a situation and describes previous research to support those assumptions, then the foundation has been laid for building a logical research question. The research question will then help a researcher to construct a good research project. Because all good research begins with stated assumptions, that's where we will begin our good research journey, by laying out the mechanisms for building and stating assumptions. Episode 1 of Good Research will help you in this foundational research work. Whether the research is quantitative, qualitative, or of mixed method variety, The beginning of a project should be about uncovering the most basic assumptions that underpin your work. And good researchers periodically revisit their assumptions to look for hidden or faulty ones. To start, I'd like to tell you a short story. Chris Miller was the only physician in a small town. People came to Dr. Miller for everything from sore feet, to asthma, to gallbladder problems, and more. Chris was married to a ninth grade English teacher at the local high school, and they were expecting their second child. When the time came for the baby to arrive, Dr. Miller called the doctor in a neighboring town for assistance. Now that you've heard the scenario, please take a moment to determine why a doctor from a nearby town was called to attend at the delivery. The conclusion you draw here will be based on what you have learned from my description and on the assumptions you have made. Before you construct your answer, 
I'd like for you to imagine what the Miller couple look like. What does Dr. Miller look like? What does the English teacher look like? What are their personal characteristics? Most likely, once you've done this, you'll begin to think more deeply about this situation and more thoroughly about why Dr. Miller might have called another doctor. Was the other doctor called because of the basic ethic in medicine that a physician should not treat members of her or his own family? Was the nearby physician called because there were complications? Or was another doctor called because Dr. Miller could not attend to the delivery of her own baby? Ah, yes, I gave you information, but I left a lot of information out. And I was even slightly vague as I answer, asked you these questions. I didn't allude to the genders of Dr. Miller or the English teacher. I didn't give you information about the pregnancy or whether complications arose or were anticipated. Once you begin to think about all the gaps that you have needed to fill in in order to draw a conclusion and provide your answer, I hope that you will begin to see how critically important it is for assumptions to be stated when one is working from premises in order to draw a conclusion. And this idea is critically important to your good research. At the start, lay out your ideas and be a detective, exposing all of the stuff that undergirds your work. If you are going to do that successfully, then you need to look at what research has been done already that is related to your topic. This will help you to build the knowledge you need in order to do good research. So now let's think about the most basic of all assumptions in good research. The answers to the following questions are present in all research, whether the researcher realizes it or not. Question one, what is the nature of reality? In other words, is there one single reality that a researcher uh, might uncover? Or is reality not actually real? Is reality subjectively constructed? Now, this question or group of questions deals with the issue of truth. And your answer to it is generally regarded as your ontology. Or it's your ontological perspective. If you believe that there is a unified reality or truth that can be uncovered, then your ontology is apt to be described as objectivist. If you believe that reality is individually or socially constructed, then your ontology is subjectivist. Let's move on to another question. Question two, how is new information discovered? So is it through unbiased measures or do individuals or group processes build information? 
Or is it through some combination of those methods or by some other means? Now, this question is often restated as, how do we find out whether reality is real? No matter what your response, your ideas about how new information is discovered by humans is called your epistemology. If you believe that unbiased measures are the best route to new, in, to new knowledge or new information, then your epistemology is objectivist. If you believe that new information is best uncovered through the perceptions of people, then your epistemology is subjectivist. Now, it's important that you do not confuse the objective-subjective distinctions in ontology and in epistemology. Remember that ontology relates to whether reality is a real, true thing, and epistemology simply relates to what tools you might use to find that out, or to find out anything, for that matter. And now let's move on to two more uh, questions, and they are also important. And they're going to round out our four questions about good research or about the underpinnings of good research. Question three is about whether you can generalize from your research study to other situations, objects, or people. Is your research generalizable? This is a question related to the continuum of generalization. If your work can be generalized to other cases, then we call it generalizable. If it cannot, then we typically call it case-specific or simply specific. Sometimes we refer to the finding in such a study as not generalizable. Moving on, question four is about the researcher's relationship with the thing or persons being studied. Does the researcher interact with the subject of the study or is the interaction absent or at least minimal? This relates to some things known as reflexivity and the continuum of distance. I'll have more to say about these things as we move on in good research episodes. For right now, I'll say this. If a researcher's primary interactions are with the instruments of measurement, like tools for collecting data, uh, machines, computers, questionnaires, or response scales, then interactions with the subject of the study may be minimal and distance from the subject may be great. This is usually referred to as methodological reflexivity. It's a type of systematic reflexivity and systematic reflexivity involves a researcher's constant scrutiny of her or his assumptions about theory and method. Those who focus on conventional science spend considerable effort refining theories and research techniques. A focus on the latter can be fundamental to testing assumptions as the researcher strives to find research measures and procedures that help to indicate what is true. 
Now, an action researcher also engages in systematic reflexivity, but her or his is known as epistemic reflexivity, whereby the researcher's belief system is perpetually scrutinized to expose inauthentic beliefs. It is common for the reflexive processes of action research to be expanded outward to even include group processes. But still, both conventional science and action research focus on scrutinizing in ways that are consistent with scrutinizing assumptions and method. On the other hand, if a researcher is perpetually deconstructing personal experiences and is focused on continuously reconstructing and deconstructing new ones, then the investigator might be practicing hyper-reflexivity and is probably in hermeneutics or phenomenology, grounded theory, or another constructivist orientation. In upcoming episodes, we'll talk more about this. In episode three, I'll talk more about reflexivity. In episode two, I discuss the different orientations, conventional science, action research, and uh, some of those that I've mentioned as well in relation to hyper-reflexivity. To conclude our good research discussion for this episode, I'd like to point out the importance of the four questions that I have covered in episode one. Without a foundational understanding of her or his basic assumptions, that is the answers to these four questions, a researcher cannot conduct good research. You may know the topic that you are interested in, like string theory, public health initiatives in Finland, or the dark triad as a predictor of violent perpetrator behaviors. Now, those are very different topics, yet they are all things that some researchers are studying. I'm sure that your research topic is equally interesting. However, without a clear picture of the assumptions that undergird your work, it will not be good research. Instead, you may be garden pathed again and again because you have not laid the foundation for good research. So begin by figuring out your responses to the four questions covered in this episode of Good Research. And that will start you on your way to a good project. Thank you for listening to episode one of Good Research. Join me in episode two when I discuss the importance of research questions and the basic types of research. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Good Research. To find more episodes like this, go to www.clovepress.com and click on the resource link. Have a great day.